Good morning. Thanks for joining us for our Mosaic online service. We hope today that your faith is encouraged, that you'll see how God is moving in your lives. With so much going on in our world today, I don't know about you, but I am just discouraged a lot of times. I'm feeling angry, saddened, and our hope and our desire is that today is going to give you some good news. That Jesus came, he died for you, uh, and that he now gives a spirit for you to live inside. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you that you are here with us. God, we pray that we just become more and more aware of who you are, what you're doing in our midst, that we would open ourselves up to your leading. God, that uh, we just know how much you love us. Be with us now in, these, in this time as we spend opening your word and focusing on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I know that Mother's Day can be tough for a lot of people. Uh, maybe you're a mom and you have, don't have a great relationship with your adult kids. Maybe you want to be a mom and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you feel like a failure as a mom. For whatever reason, Mother's Day can be tough for a lot of people. As I was praying about, God, what, what do you want me to be sharing uh, on Mother's Day 2020? And we were in the middle of series on the Holy Spirit. I really feel like God wanted me to go back to a passage of scripture that I preached on a couple years ago uh, in Luke chapter 8. And I feel like this is a perfect scripture passage for us in this middle of this global pandemic as well as for Mother's Day. We're going to see Jesus heal a woman and a girl. You're going to see Jesus absolutely transform the life of an older woman and the life of a younger girl as he loves and serves them both exceedingly well. Jesus loved and served women and here at Mosaic we're going to do the same. Amen. Well, let's just unpack what Jesus' life has been like recently. Jesus had large crowds coming to him. He's been teaching, healing, performing miracles. He needs a break, so he asked one of his followers to take a ride in one of his boats. Uh, you know, I just think that's a great thing to do for your pastor or spiritual leader is to take them out on your boat. And so that's what Jesus does with his disciples. And, and they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and this enormous storm kind of explodes out of nowhere. And Jesus is so tired that even though they're in danger, he's actually asleep in the boat. And his disciples are freaking out, these professional fishermen, they're wake up, Jesus, don't you care about us? And he calms the storm. He commands creation to obey him. And they row to the other side of the lake. And he gets out of the boat, and how is Jesus greeted on his day off after doing all this ministry? By a crazy, naked man possessed by demons living in a graveyard. That's the welcoming committee that Jesus gets on his day off. So Jesus uh, cast out the demons of the man, and once the man in his, is in his right mind, Jesus gives him the mission, hey, go back to your people and tell about what I have done in your life. Well, then Jesus gets back in his boat, he goes across the lake, gets out of the boat, and then he's greeted by another crowd of needy people. And Jesus is just unbelievable in his outpouring of love, affection, and service for people. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can join me on Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, now when Jesus returned, this is after going across the storm and meeting this crazy man who was naked living in a graveyard. When now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his, his house. Now, first of all, what we have to see is grown men don't normally do this. You don't throw yourself at someone else's feet, especially if you're a leader in the community. But this man is humble. This man is desperate, and he's begging Jesus to come to his house. Why? What is causing this grown man to fall at Jesus' feet? Verse 42, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. This is his only child. 
We don't know if he and his wife struggled with miscarriages or infertility or what happened. My assumption is they would have liked to have more children during this day. Big families were a blessing, but for whatever reason, God had only blessed them with just one child, this daughter. And she's sick. And so this dad is going to do everything he can to help this little girl. And so he leaves her on his, her deathbed with her mother, who's tending to her, and he runs to Jesus when he hears that Jesus is coming to town. And this father, like so many of us, he throws himself at Jesus' feet and desperately begs Jesus, come to my house, heal my daughter. This man, like all dads, he'd do anything for his little girl to get better. And Jesus sees this man. Jesus loves this, little man, this man's little girl even more than Jairus does. So Jesus agrees to go with him to his house. But then they get interrupted. I just want you to picture this, this anxious father whose only little girl is sick and dying. And they get interrupted. And he's just standing there next to Jesus while this happens. Verse 42. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. This woman had had chronic bleeding, possibly a uterine hemorrhage, for 12 years. As long as Jairus' daughter had been alive, this woman had been bleeding. 12 years of suffering. Can you imagine? Dr. Luke goes on to say, And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. This is the clinical diagnosis of Dr. Luke, our author here. This woman is desperate and she's destitute. She's desperate that she's tried every form of treatment. She's gone to different doctors. She's gone to the, the healing clinic, un, undergone alternative therapy. She's prayed. She's fasted. She's tried everything. She's also destitute. She spent all her money trying to get better. And now she's absolutely impoverished. She's in a horrible condition. But... Now she's sitting here before Jesus. And she's been in this condition for 12 long years. If you go back to the Old Covenant in Leviticus 15, it says that this would have made her ceremoniously unclean. If you had an issue of blood like this, what does that mean? That she's been unclean for 12 years. That means for 12 years, no one has touched her. No one has hugged her. No one has put a hand on her shoulder to pray for her. No one has kissed the top of her head. No one's held her hand. No physical contact for 12 years. She's isolated and lonely in her suffering. She's not allowed to gather others in the temple or the synagogue because she was unclean. And I think the only thing worse than suffering is suffering in isolation. There's no one to be with you, to talk with you, to share with you. I know many of us Right now, in that, we are in isolation. Some of you are suffering that way by yourself. You don't have a spouse or kids around you, and I know how hard it is. You are alone right now. That's this woman. She eats all her meals by herself. She worships God by herself. She lives by herself. Additionally, Leviticus says that she had been forbidden because of her condition from any marital intimacy, which means either she was married and most likely divorced, or she maybe was never married. That means no husband, no children, no money, no church, no hope. And then she hears that Jesus has come to town. She does whatever she can to get to Jesus. And kind of like now, she's not supposed to be in a crowd because she can infect everyone with her uncleanness, but she's desperate to get to Jesus. Verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She reaches out and touches the fringe of Jesus' garment and she's healed. That's amazing, but what a random thing to do. Why, why would she reach out to the, the hem of his garment? 
Well, in Numbers 15, God told Moses that people make these tassels on the corner of their garments. These tassels were to remind them of all the commands of the Lord. They were a visual reminder of what he had created them to do. The Hebrew word for tassel is tzitzit. And the Hebrew word for corner is kanaf. The prophet Malachi predicted that when the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one came, he would rise with healing in his wings. And that word he uses for wings is actually kanaf. It means corners. So the Jewish people believed that when the Messiah came, there'd be this special healing power in his kanaf, in, in the corners and the tassels of his prayer shawl. And during the time of Jesus, these tassels were found in the prayer shawls, which all the rabbis wore, including Jesus. So this woman has been suffering for 12 long, lonely years. No one has touched her. She's lost all hope. She's tried everything. She's spent all her money. And she comes to Jesus and touches the kanaf, the corner of his robe, in faith and was healed. What is this woman showing by reaching out to the corner of his prayer shawl? She's showing that Jesus is different than any other rabbi. That he is the Christ, the son of the living God, the Messiah. The one who's going to come with healing in his wings, in his corners. And in that instant, her soul is healed. She becomes a worshiper of Jesus, proclaiming that he is the Christ, the Messiah. And in that instant, her body is healed. And the power of God is unleashed in her life through faith. I need you to know that wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever has been done to you, however unclean you feel like your life is, that Jesus wants to come and wants to heal you. He wants to restore you. He wants to unleash the power of God into your life. That when you come to Jesus in faith, you don't make him unclean. He makes you clean. And this woman is a picture of all who are saved by faith, reaching out to Jesus and receiving new life. There's healing in his wings. He is the Messiah. God is with us. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Remember, he's in the middle of the crowd, anxious dad next to him. When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and all are pressing on you. Peter's saying, Master, there's all these people who are touching you. What do you mean? And I love this that Peter is the one to pipe up and speak because Peter oftentimes fills silence with his stupidity. And that just encourages me so much that when it's a good moment not to speak, that's when Peter speaks up. And I just love that Peter leaps into action. And that Jesus puts Peter in charge of the disciples. It's like, who's in charge around here? The one who always ruins everything, Peter. Like, it gives me such hope. And maybe it gives you hope, too, if you're that type of person who just likes to fill sounds with your stupidity or a look without leaping, that Jesus even uses people like Peter and me. Well, verse 46, Jesus said, Someone touch me, for I perceive the power has gone out from me. Well, the Jewish scriptures had a lot to say about purity and hygiene because in this day and age, they didn't really know anything about running water or hand sanitizer. They didn't have masks. You know, they didn't have hygiene, soap. Because this unclean woman had touched Jesus, Jewish law said that Jesus should have become ceremoniously unclean. It didn't matter the woman touched him without his knowing, without his permission. He would have become unclean nonetheless. And that's why I think this woman wanted to remain hidden. She, she wasn't sure, you know, what Jesus is going to think that now he's unclean because she, she touched him. Verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she'd been immediately healed. I touched him because I believed he's the Messiah, the Christ, and she was healed. But she realizes I've been found out. She's wondering, will Jesus reject me? Is he, gonna, is he gonna publicly humiliate me? Have I made him unclean? What's this crowd gonna do? I'm not supposed to be here. Are they gonna bring me up on charges for defiling all these people? Verse 48, Jesus turns to her and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What I think is so amazing that in all the four Gospels, this is the only time 
Jesus addresses anyone, his daughter. Why does he do that? You know, this woman, maybe even older than Jesus, if Jesus is in his early 30s, this woman's been bleeding for 12 years, why is he referring to this woman as, as daughter? Here's what I think. I think she doesn't have a Jairus in her life. Jesus is there with his Jairus, this ruler who's anxious because this little girl's dying, but she doesn't have that dad in her life. She doesn't have a dad who's doing what, what he's doing for her. To say, hey, sweetheart, you stay with mom. I'm going to get Jesus. He's going to take care of you. Seeing this Ted, she's had to take care of herself. She needs to pay her own medical bills. She needs to go out on her own journey towards Jesus. She needs to risk her own well-being to meet him. Some of you ladies are blessed. You had a dad who brought you to Jesus, who loved you, who's always trying to get you to meet Jesus. But some of you ladies I know are like this woman. You don't have a dad maybe in your life, or maybe you had a dad who didn't love Jesus, and so you've been just on your own, and you can recognize yourself in this woman's story. And so Jesus wants to say to you, as I said to that woman, daughter. Jesus can take that fatherly place in your life. He becomes that man who gives you identity, affection, security, and protection. He becomes that, that fatherly affection for you. I think some of you, maybe you, were, you identify with this woman. Her life had a lot of suffering, and my encouragement would be to, to reach out to Jesus in faith, to have the power of God unleashed in your life and have Jesus call you daughter. Let Jesus be a father to you. In the middle of that crowd, Jesus honors this woman, gives her dignity and affection, and he restores her to the congregation of God's people. This is a life-changing day for this woman. This is total healing here. Jesus heals her physically, but also spiritually and socially and emotionally, and everything changes for her. We like to say around here that Jesus changes everything. In that moment, people can hug her to celebrate. Can you imagine what that felt like after not being embraced for 12 years? People can lay a hand on her and pray for her now. She can hold a baby. She couldn't hold a baby for 12 years. Now she can serve in the nursery. She can lay hands on other people. She could pray for them now. She can join the prayer team. She can attend worship with other believers in synagogue at the temple. If she wants, she can get married now. Maybe for the first time ever, she can have children. She can become a mother. Her whole life is radically, instantly transformed by one touch of Jesus, by putting her faith and trust in him. And she's a portrait of salvation for all of us. How beautiful. Those of you who feel desperate and destitute, I want you to reach out to Jesus in faith to know that you can experience peace and be called a child of God. That's her story, that Jesus heals and cleanses. But what about that little girl who's sick? What about the dad who's so anxious about his only child who's dying? She's on her deathbed being tended to by her mother. Jesus is interrupted on his way to her. So during this whole exchange, Jairus, the dad, he's anxious. He's standing there like, come on, Jesus, let's go, let's go, let's go. Verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Man, this kills me. What kills me is this dad wasn't there to be with his little girl when she died. God forbid this ever happens to any of his parents, but if it, our child was sick, we'd want to be there, holding their hand, kissing their head, telling them how proud you are of them, that you're so grateful for those years that you had together. And this dad wasn't there. He was trying to save her and 
get Jesus to come, and now he finds out that she's dead. I can't imagine as a dad. His whole world is shattered. He's just broken apart. He wasn't there for his little girl. Not because he abandoned her, because he's trying to save her. I can only imagine Chris and my wife being there, praying, crying, hoping, watching Becca breathe her last breath. This man is destroyed. His life is in shambles. His only child is dead. Can you feel that? Verse 50, But when Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Can you imagine? Jesus shows up with his disciples. He says, It's okay. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And all the mourners, all the friends, all the family who watch this little girl take her labored breaths and finally she dies and they're like, what are you saying, you crazy rabbi? She's actually dead. And Jesus goes in to the room. And everyone's outside. Nine of the disciples are there, kind of looking pretty awkward as Jesus takes just the three in with him and, and the father and mother. But then, as they're outside, what, what do they hear? They hear the little pitter-patter of a child's feet. And they said, what is that noise? It's not the sound of an adult walking around. It's the sound of a child. Can you imagine that what's going through that crowd as they hear this little girl's feet? Verse 54, Jesus, but taking her by the hand, he called saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given for her to eat. This little girl, she was dead, but she's raised to life. And the first thing she sees is the face of Jesus. The first thing she hears is the voice of Jesus. The first thing she feels is the hand of Jesus calling her into life, into hope, into healing. See, everyone that was outside and they believed that she was dead and there was no hope. It doesn't matter if everyone else leaves your room as long as Jesus is in the room with you. Wherever you are today watching this, kitchen, living room, on your phone, on your computer. It doesn't matter who's left you. It doesn't matter how alone you feel. If Jesus is in the room with you. And this little girl's healing and brought to life is a picture for all of us. That one day we all will die. But those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, that first face we'll see is Jesus first words we hear will be the words of Jesus. His hand on our hands. And Jesus commands they give her something to eat. The book of Revelation chapter 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb, it says that at the resurrection when Jesus comes back and we're all restored and renewed into life and as heaven comes down into earth and earth is restored to the shalom, the peace with man and God and creation the way it's supposed to be, that we're all going to feast and dine with Jesus. And this resurrection is a picture of what is in store for us who put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And today you are invited to do the same thing. It doesn't matter who is left as long as you invite Jesus into the room. It doesn't matter how desperate and destitute you are, you can reach out in faith to Jesus 
and he can heal, he can restore, he can redeem. Maybe right now you feel like that woman with the issue of blood for 12 long years and you are desperate and you feel unclean and you feel like shunned and you feel like you don't belong anywhere and you've been isolated. Jesus says, reach out in faith and he right now can heal and restore you. Maybe you feel like that father. There's someone you know, someone you love who's struggling, who's suffering. And you're praying. And maybe even like that dad where your life gets turned upside down and all hope is gone. Jesus wants to say, say to you that have faith. All will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well. Maybe like this little girl, you are dead in your sins and your trespasses and you need to be raised to life through Christ. Jesus offers his hand to you. It's a free gift of salvation. But we can put our faith and our trust in Jesus and then he raises us to life. As we bow the knee to him, as we put our faith and trust in him, if today you would like to make that decision to follow Jesus, to put your trust in him, to be raised to new life, just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. The Bible tells us that if we just put our faith and our trust in him, if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that we give him our lives and we follow him, that we will be saved. We will be raised to new life, adopted into his family, that he will put his spirit in us you made that decision, I'd love to follow up with you. You can just make, leave a comment, send us an email, whatever it might be. We can help you on your journey of following Jesus. As a community, what can we do to show this love that Jesus had? That Jesus shows dignity to little girls, to women who feel like outcasts, who are considered unclean. That Jesus had time for everyone. We know that this virus is, is contagious and we're all worried and filled with anxiety and uncertainty. But we also know that hope is contagious. How can we be carriers of hope and love and the healing of Jesus during this time? Let's just take a moment and pause. And we're just going to pray. And I'm going to ask that God would reveal just something that we could do, someone we could reach out to, someone that we can encourage right now. God, I just pray right now that you would reveal to us how we can be like Jesus and bring hope and healing to a world that so desperately needs it. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth, that you offer the free gift of salvation for all who call upon your name. Jesus, we pray that you would just fill us with your spirit, that we could follow you, we could be carriers of hope and blessing. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for our online service. I want to encourage you to stick around for our Zoom lobby. The link will be in the comments below. You can hop on. We'll love to say hi to you. Have a great week. We'll see you uh, next Sunday.